I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. While super teams might take the headlines, a team nobody can stop talking about this season is the Indiana Fever. I'm very lucky to be joined by Windsider writer Ashley Woods, someone very knowledgeable on the Indiana Fever, so let's dive in and discuss. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com and if you're looking for a fun way to enjoy the w look no further we got you covered with playback our w watch parties use the link playback.tv forward slash windsider that's playback.tv forward slash windsider. It's a fun, engaging way to watch the W. Welcome back to the Windsider Show. I'm excited. I'm joined by the one, the only, Ashley Woods, to discuss all things Indiana Fever. I feel like if I like drop my voice down low at that one point, I can like plug in any name and any team. Uh, Ashley Woods to discuss the Dallas Wings. Um, no, we're talking Indiana Fever this episode. But before we get into it, how you doing? How has your time uh, close, up close and personal with the Indiana Fever been this season, and how are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Happy to be here. Super excited to talk about some Fever basketball. Um, it's been so great to be around the Fever. It's a young team. Um, having the opportunity to cover a young team that's entering a new era um, with Coach Size and Aaliyah Boston has been a, just a great opportunity uh, shout out to my internship literally being in the same location only a few miles down the road <laughs> from Gainbridge Fieldhouse <laughs> so I can have the opportunity to actually do this but yeah super awesome I've loved every time I've stepped in the Gainbridge and been able to cover this team they're they are definitely a fun young energetic team some fans might be a little frustrated some fans might be a little excited. I think all all of the emotions uh, could be applicable for the Indiana Fever this season. I mean, first of all, let me just get this out of the way. So I just find it hilarious because there was multiple, like there was one game I'm watching and it ends with Leah Boston passing up an opportunity to win the game with a shot. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, you need to take that shot. Like You need, like, you're a Leah freaking Boston. And then the next game, she comes out and hits a three to send the game to overtime. Um, before we get into like overall thoughts of the fever, let's just kind of dive right into like probably the most important conversation to have with Indiana right now. Aaliyah Boston, the hype train is real. The, the rookie of the year campaign is in full force. Uh, the early polls are out and it seems like she's getting a heavy return. Um, what have you seen personally you know, what's impressed you? Is she doing exactly what you expected? Like, kind of where's your head at when I say Aaliyah Boston rookie year? I mean, she has gone above and beyond what I ever expected. I thought she was going to have a pretty seamless transition to the WNBA um, just simply by watching her play in college, just the way that she carried herself. Like, she carried herself as a pro 
at the collegiate level. And I got her, I got the pleasure and sometimes displeasure of watching her kick my, my dear Alabama Crimson Tide um, <laughs> up and down the court. Um, so I, I saw just how good Aaliyah Boston has been. But I think one of the things that has just made her transition just so well is what Dawn Staley talked about it when she was up to give Kelsey Mitchell the award, uh, the Community Service Award, is that she's just evolved as a person, uh, as a leader. She's become more vocal over her years, during her years at uh, South Carolina and now into the locker room to where she's just like, is there something going wrong? If there's something that she needs to speak up about, she's willing to do it because she's done it in the past. And on the court, I think for me, it's just the footwork. I keep talking about her footwork and it's just unbelievable. Uh, you can just see just how well she can get into position. And when she's into in position, she's just so hard to beat. Even when she's out of position, just the way she can move around the court, it just makes her just an offensive threat at all levels. And, you know, seeing her shoot that three-point ball to send the game, I believe it was against the sky, if I can remember correctly, <laughs> um, to overtime, I was like, oh, Lord, if y'all let Aaliyah get a three-ball, it's kind of over for y'all. <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> – because we already knew she had a pretty decent mid-range jumper and any anything within 15 feet around the bucket. It's basically in the rim when it's still in Aaliyah's hands. It's unreal how well she is on both sides of the basket. Um, but it's just her willingness to learn and um, improve at every step that is just absolutely unbelievable. And it's, I kind of knew coming in that she was going to be a pro's pro, but she's gone beyond whatever I expected this season. I mean, clear and far away, the rookie of the year candidate. And she's been exactly what Indiana got, uh, was, was supposed to get with that first round pick. Yeah, and I think like something for me that was kind of a something that I was concerned about is just the way the and this is an issue that overseas players have that rookies have referees call different leagues differently. And I think a fair criticism, fair knock to Leah Boston early on in in this season, she struggled in foul trouble. And I it, it's continued a little bit. I don't think it's a huge thing. I think this is something that she's going to grow but that also comes with an understanding of, and honestly, I say this in a complete compliment, an mm. understanding of that she's a kid and these are adults. Like, yeah, like in the sense of before when she was in college, she was a grown woman taking on players, some people who just weren't at that physical peak that she is. And now everybody in this league is at that. And I think for what it says to me is her not backing down. What it says to me is a tough player yeah. who is ready to throw bows, ready, you know, to drop the gloves in the paint. And and for a elite paint presence, a player who, you know, is going to be with the greats, you, you know, fighting uh, an Asia Wilson, fighting, well, not Sylvia Fowles anymore, sadly, uh, fighting a BG. Uh, I know, right? A tier. <laughs> All these, all these really, really good players. Honestly, the thing that I'm most impressed about is her ability to take the hits, um, to dish the hits out, and just her her ability to stay cool and calm in the paint um, has been really, really impressive for me. And I'll give you credit because while I'm always one to say, like, while I think something's going to happen, I question it. You know what I mean? Like, while I thought Aaliyah Boston's going to transition to the league well, 
I definitely am going to say, okay, until I see it, I'm going to question it. You had no doubt. Um, so cash in on uh, some other bet that you're doing. I don't know. Please. I put some money down. I'm terrible when it comes to like actual betting. Like I, like I can see a trend and be like, hmm, that's okay. But if you ask me to come up with a parlay and expect that parlay to hit, I am so sorry. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Like that's, that's a good. I don't put. I, know, I, I don't. Say that's a good shameless plug for uh, our betting advice on Patreon. Everyone should subscribe. Don't worry, Ashley doesn't write it. It's not her. It's it's, it's <laughs> not me. It, I promise you, it is not me, and it will never be me. <laughs> me neither, because I don't understand like the numbers and the pluses and the minuses. Okay, so Aaliyah Boston's been amazing. Melissa Smith has been amazing. We talk about her also. I mean, like comparable point. Both of them, they're both putting up essentially the same amount of points and the same rebounds per game. That is an elite front court. This team is scary, um, and. I, honestly, like I've made this reference before and some people have looked at me sideways. Some people have been like, oh, I see what you're saying. Like Melissa Smith, in my mind, if anybody doesn't get this, sorry. Uh, Maisha Hines-Allen had an insane season in the bubble where she was just so much getting downhill, so physically active, so athletic. And and at her size, it's so hard for defenders to to slow her down and stop her. And that's what I see by from Melissa Smith throughout she is a superstar in the making and i think they have two superstars on this team um in boston and smith and it's scary that they're both front court players but before we talk more about smith i want to talk about a general topic on this team like what are your thoughts about the fever in the we're at the halfway point in this season like what are your thoughts about the fever would you say you know as expected would you say they're underperforming they're overperforming um yeah, like imagine that was the season and we're in the off season. Like kind of what's what, what's your reaction to this? If I am imagining this, if this was the off season, I would say that they are overperforming or kind of just matching where they were. Um, if we're going strictly by what I have seen throughout the course of the season, I would say they're actually underperforming because I, I just did an article on this today. It will soon be on one side's website. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but it... To me, they have just shown that this is a, while that this is a young team, they are not going away. They are willing to compete in every single game, and you know they have 15 losses um, on the season, but 12 of those are single digits. And out of those 12 that are single digit losses, seven of those came on the last possession of the game, and so maybe a couple of those get flipped over to the other side. And they are in a serious playoff race with Chicago right now. I mean, they're, they're three games back from Chicago. It's still kind of a playoff race. But that bucket goes in from Mitchell against um, – oh, I can't remember the game. But, you know, a couple buckets go in from Mitchell or they hold off the aces early on in the season. And we're talking about, hmm, Indiana-Chicago. That's a playoff race right there. So every matchup that those two teams have are even more important. Um, but based off the off season, I mean, you know, they matched their win total pretty from last year pretty quickly under Christie's size, and they just also just look better on paper. They just look better. This team passes a lot of aspects of the eye test. You know, offensively, um, they their ability, especially Nelissa, uh, to get downhill. You know, you have Lexi when she's shooting and she's on, she's on. 
and you have all like, and then you have Kelsey Mitchell, and you have so, like a point guard uh, in the making, and Grace Berger coming off of the bench. You have Christy Wallace, who is just a dog on both sides of the court, coming off of the bench. You know, this is an offense that has a lot of uh, a lot of players that they can just plug and play, and they can all just work together and gel really well. Um, and they have not played their best game at all. They're not, I don't think they've even played their 50% game yet. Um, they they have a lot of potential that they haven't unlocked yet. That's why I kind of like they're a little bit underperforming because you can see it. You can see where they can improve on. And you can see how just how well this team could be if they just honed in on the little things um, and not let the little things become big things, which is something I explained a little bit more in my article of how sometimes they let the little things just pile up into a big glaring problem that they just can't overcome. First of all, you don't know how happy you have made me to have somebody come on here and call it as they see it and keep it real and honest <laughs> and critical. You're making me blush over here. But no, I, I, I'm completely with you on all of it. I mean, we can get into the detail of like me thinking – Kelsey Mitchell is just, and and this is not, look, everyone on social media likes to make it a whole big Kelsey Mitchell versus Leah Boston, blah, blah, blah. I think that's not where I'm coming from. I'm coming from, I've never been on the Kelsey Mitchell bandwagons from day one. Um, I think she's been in the league long enough that we know what we've gotten from her and she can put up some points, but we're not talking like impressive Arike points, but we're talking similarly when it comes to bad shot selection um, and just high volume shooting. Like she's just not the one for me that's going to be that, you know, three point high point threat that is going to, you know, force defenses to play Aaliyah and Alyssa in ways they don't want to, or force defenses to let her eat. Like, I just don't think, you know, she's been given opportunities and now she's in the perfect opportunity where she should be eating more. Um, she's just not hungry for it, I guess, uh, for lack of a better, horrible, horrible metaphor that I just went way too long on. Um, but for me, like I look at this team and I have to think like, while I agree with you underperforming success, because if this team overperforms and they do too good, then they lose an opportunity for a really good draft pick in this draft and, or possibly next draft. And I think realistically what we've seen from Melissa's growth and Aaliyah's growth, um, and from Grace Berger and from a variety of other players on this team is that I don't think this team can, whether they want to or not, they can't stay in the lottery for much longer. Like this is probably their last season for a little bit to stay in the lottery. So I almost like as jerkish as it is, as sucky as it is for the fans, I almost want them to like do good, but not too good this year. Like save the, the really good doing for next year. Um, maybe, you know, stay top four and get a good draft pick in this one. Cause like, in my opinion, all you need to do is win six games. Like they just need to get over that hump already. Like eight game losing streak right now. They need to overcome what they did last year. Like you said, they tied their win total from last year. They need to overcome that. They need to get this next win. Um, does it come in their next game against New York? Maybe not. Wait, is it New York they play next or is it, uh, it's the Mystics. Sorry, no, it's mystics is it against the mystics i don't know uh after that though they do get to play um who are they playing after that they're playing uh shoot i, I believe that, it's the liberty after the mystics 
Oh, I'm sorry. That's what my issue was. I was looking at two different teams playing Liberty. Um, <laughs> they play the Sparks soon, though. Um, and I think, right or no? Am I? Am I? Am I just completely losing it? I'm losing my mind. I'm gonna say you're losing it. Um, just for the mere fact. No, no, okay, I'm not. No, I'm not. Sorry, okay. sorry. They play Mystic Liberty, then the Sparks okay. on the 25th. They play the Sparks because I was looking at. That's why I knew they play the Sparks. So I was looking at the schedule. and I was like, next legitimate win opportunity. Or when I see them win, I feel like the Sparks game might be that one. But hey, you never know. Um, I just went on a crazy, crazy rant there. But like, what do you think about the idea that this season, like, I guess, what's a successful season in your eyes? Like, should they be trying to get out of the lottery? Should they just be trying to take a baby step? Like, if you were Christy Sides, what would you be kind of? It's a tough situation because the their most glaring need right now is a is a guard, you know, and particularly at the one slot at the point guard slot. And so you have two like you have a pretty good point guard crop coming up in the 2024 draft, you know, with Paige, Caitlin, she can run the one. She was typically at the two a lot in Iowa last year, but she can play the one. Um, Haley Van Liff, who is probably going to be developed into the one um, position at LSU next year, you have those players coming up, but there's also the caveat of like all of them could take their extra year in college because they do have that COVID year. Um, so they could be playing in college until 2025. And this is something I discussed in the article is that it, do you want to t- put all your chips in, just tank and just hope to God? that this one, <laughs> one of them is around, so, just one of them is around to um, pick up. Or do you go the route, which is a lot of people on Twitter's thought, and go and get a vet like SDS, Skylar Dickens-Smith, go and get a proven winner, you know, someone who has been around the league a very long and can run an offense better, about as good as anybody in the league. Uh, so do you run that route and just go, Hey, we're in contention. We have a chance. Let's go see, let's go make some table. Let's go shake some tables. So I think it's a really interesting decision. I think if I was Christy size and I see that we're three games out, I look at the schedule and I can see where we can pick up three to five wins and maybe, maybe make Chicago feel a little scared. I say, why not? And if that means we sacrifice the lottery pick and we just have to go another route and getting that point guard position us uh, solidified, then so be it. But the opportunity is there. I don't see why you wouldn't at least try for it. And then whatever happens after the season is whatever happens and you go from there. Yeah, I'm with it too. Because also, like, I, I do think when, when you talk about those three players, Caitlin and Paige, they probably make their decision very differently than uh, a Haley Van Lith, only because I feel like Haley's draft stock very much depends on what those two do. Whereas those two draft stock doesn't matter on anybody but themselves. Um, I mean, they could be hobbling into the season, into the draft, and I think most teams would take them one, two, um, argue about whether which one's which. I mean, right, like you're going in top three, whatever. Um, and that's, I think, a completely fair perspective on it and the Skylar Diggins Smith edition like look they're cleaning house they're rebranding they're redoing in Phoenix who knows if they can keep her at this point who knows you know what the mindset of Skylar is she's one of those 
I don't want to say recluse players, but like those players who like you just know when she says something on social or when she puts out a statement. She's not one of those players that like, you know, is going to sneak something out and everyone's going to kind of have a sense of what's going on. She keeps very close to chest. Um, and she's a hundred percent correct. Like she's a player who can put a team on her back, even if they didn't have an Aaliyah Boston, even if they didn't have an Alyssa Smith or a variety of other players, she can carry a team deep into the playoffs. Um, but she needs those other players to get her first ring. And that's what she wants. And I think the biggest thing with Skylar is We've talked about, you know, this team being a young team in struggles. They're the worst defensive team in the first quarter. And then they spend the rest of the game digging themselves out. And then they get really close. Like you were talking about, what was that? 12 or 15 losses mm-hmm. were single digits. Like that happens because you don't know the importance of starting the game off strong. You don't know the importance of taking advantage of streaks or you don't know the advantage of holding a grip tight when you have the lead. I'm looking at that early Vegas game in the season. Um, a player like Skylar Diggins Smith knows how to put, knows how to curb stomp, throat or foot to boot to the throat, whatever the phrase is. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she's she is that player, and I think for me, the biggest thing that this team is missing is not just a vet. You can't just have any old vet walk in here, and this is why I'm so anti the Amanda Zowie B trade. Um, you can't just have any vet walk in here. And all of a sudden, she's going to teach us how to win. That's not how it works. You need someone who's been there and who's won, who's had success. And nobody on this team really has success. So I, I'm curious for you, like, when, in your mind, like, if you're head coach, Grace, Lexi, or Erica Wheeler. Because, like, in my mind, what we've seen is is kind of, and I don't know if it was you who brought this up, recently in a, in a playback or something, but like somebody said something that's really stuck in my head when it comes to the fever that when it comes late in the game, there's a lot of hero ball. There's a lot of players trying to do it by themselves versus continuing to stay in the system. And I kind of, I wonder for you, like, I don't know if I, if I give you the clipboard and I say, Ashley, like, you know, two minutes left four point game, which guard are you putting in? Oh, that's such an interesting question because there is a lot of hero ball. And the tricky part about it is that it's not just one particular player playing hero ball. Depending on the situation or the scenario, it can be a number of different players trying to put the team on their back. And I discussed this a little bit briefly in my Leah Boston feature is that like a lot of people within that organization have been with that organization for a long time where they were down in the dumps, you know, not as competitive as they have been this season, despite their five and 15 record. Um, So they felt the need to put the team on their back because they've done it in the past. It's all they've ever known. Um, And so trying to get into the system and trying to minimize those mistakes is something that Christy size has talked to about instilling in these players. And I think it's going to be a challenge, an uphill battle for her because this is just something they've been used to. Um, I think for me, if I had to choose Grace, is this at all at one spot? <laughs> or is it like, yeah, yeah. okay, so. I mean, you, well, you know, like, this is at the one. I mean, you can say, F it, I, like, this is my starting five. Um, but I, I assumed it was one position was in flux. Hey, 
you have the clipboard. You can do whatever the hell you want. Okay. You can put nobody out. You can, you can go, you know, no man defense. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's going to work for Indiana. I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> um, they struggle with zone. I don't, I'm not sure about no man defense. <laughs> um, I, uh, if I had to do my starting five, of course, Aaliyah and Alyssa, four and five, that's already on lock. I think that's solid because you need players in the front court that can rebound. Um, Give me Lexi because she's going to defend. She's going to defend. Um, she's. I would really like her to get out of the foul trouble situations that she gets herself into sometimes, but she's a really good defender. Um, we'll put her at three. And then guards, give me Christy at two, get another defender, and then put Grace at the one. Because Grace, no matter where she's at on the court, no matter how far she is, she has just really great vision and her IQ for someone who doesn't play as many minutes as um, her like other rookie guard counterparts, she has just seen how the floor maps out very well in the WNBA. She can find whoever's going to be open before they're even open. It's like she's a quarterback on a football field. The way she can just scan the field, scan the court. I'm sorry, so quickly and just find whoever's going to be open. I mean. Grace and Aaliyah, when they work, when they're on the court together, it's basically like magic. And even when she's not getting it to Aaliyah, she can get it to an Alyssa downhill. She can kick it out. She can, you know, make up, uh, make the defense sag a little bit and kick it out to a shooter, which is why you get Lexi because she defends, but she can also shoot. She's we saw it in Athletes Unlimited this past season. Um, she just she's a little bit more versatile than some of the other point guards that I feel as though. If that's my starting five and I need to get, you know, three points, I think we can get, I think it could happen. You know, I can think I can draw something up, be like Paige Buckers and draw something up really quick. <laughs> so my thing is like the way you talked about grace is exactly what I was hoping for. You talked about elevating the players around her. And I think at least in my perspective of the point guard position, that's your number one. Mm-hmm that's where your mind needs to be. And there should not be like hero ball is like the last thing on the list for the point guard, right? Yeah. For the point guard, you being the hero is you finding your teammate to make the play. And, and that's maybe an old school perspective. Maybe I'm just a crotchety old person waving at the clouds from my porch. Um, but that's why I, 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 if you weren't going to bring up grace, I was going to bring that up because that's completely where I'm at. And I think, the two-headed monster of, of Boston and Smith makes the job for the point guard in Indiana so simple, so easy. Yes. Just demand the ball movement, demand motion. You know, it, it's it's hero ball, but it's also a lot of standing around and expecting others to play hero ball. And the one thing I would add to your point um, to further it is that all these players, not all of them, but a lot of these players on this team – when they were brought in, not only were they expected to play hero ball, they were told this was their team for them to play hero ball, for them to be the person to take to take them out of the depths, uh, to pull them out the mud, as Kevin Gates would say. Um, <laughs> had to do it. Uh, <laughs> had to do it. <laughs> it's a banger. Um, and so, like, I think if... Like there was something that, and I, I I've brought this up way too many times in random ass comparisons, but uh, Tanisha Wright did this with the uh, the Atlanta Dream last year, where 
they divvied out roles to each player and they printed it and put them on their locker room. So it was very clear. And I feel like Indiana might be a team that needs something like that, that physical form of this is your role, because you need to understand, like, I'm sorry, like, Kelsey Mitchell, you're not the superstar anymore. It's Aaliyah Boston's team. Melissa Smith, you're right there with her. But, like, let's be real. It's Aaliyah Boston's team. Like, you can be... It doesn't need to be a Batman-Robin thing, right? It can be, like, an Avengers thing where they're all the superstars. But you need to have that defined role, especially because throughout the years of this transition, whatever you want to call it, everybody's had such different roles year in and year out. Yeah, I think to to that point kind of the further a little bit further further along a little bit um i think what makes what has made the transition for Aaliyah and grace in their roles so simple is because they're doing similar to what they were doing in college i mean grace was feeding the ball to mackenzie holmes and sydney parish in uh indiana you had Aaliyah boston was getting the ball fed to her from destiny henderson whether it was zaya brie like she's do- they're basically doing what they're doing they were doing in college just at the WNBA level. So the game ha- is a little bit more simplified for them whereas everyone else around them, you know, Kelsey Mitchell when she came up, Alexi Hall last year, um Queen before she got traded to Washington, you know, at one point in time they were supposed to be the person to bring them out of the depths, you know, and the shadows of Tamika Ketching's retirement, they were the they were the star. They were the chosen one. And now that Indiana has actually found the chosen one, everyone has to take a step back and reevaluate the roles. And that's something that Chrissy Side has has talked about at length. Has Kelsey Mitchell has talked about at length. Um, you know, Erica has talked about at length about just everyone buying into their roles. And I think it goes back to the point I made earlier about them they haven't played their best ball yet because I don't think everyone understands their individual roles and how those roles fit into the greater picture I think there are people here and there that know like they go in they know exactly what they're supposed to do they do exactly what they're supposed to do when they need to do it and then everything works but there are certain lineups and certain people that are when you put them in place it's like all right I know how you think I'm supposed to run this but here's how I'm going to do it and that's where a lot of the hero ball comes in that's where a lot of the bad shot selections, the bad entry passes, the bad looks, all of that comes in. And then you're spiraling out of control. Those little itty-bitty mistakes start piling up into that grand picture because people are not focusing on what they need to do for the team instead of just playing. Instead, they're just playing hero ball, which is... I completely agree. I think... No, I mean... I just love the way you broke that down. It, it's It's very true. And it's also like... I think it's hard just from like a person's perspective, not an elite athlete, not, you know, I'm not trying to put, I'm just saying like as a person, right? Like it's hard to understand this is what you need to do to have success. Even though when you do it for the first little bit, you're not going to have success. You need to trust the process for it to work. Um, and as you said, they need to buy into the system. So I guess uh, three last things for this episode. One, what do you want to see, I guess, what do you want to see either from this team from the rest of the season uh, that would make you smile, that would make you feel like, okay, this second half of the season, there was growth, there was maturity. What, what, would, what would make you feel that way? 
them getting that sixth win, honestly. I mean, honestly, that's that burden of like, you know, getting to five wins and then kind of just doing what they did last year is really on their shoulders. I would really like for them to get that sixth win because that, as much as people hyped up the first win and snapping that 21-21 game losing streak um, and avoiding tying Tulsa um, was a, the palate cleanser, I would argue that that sixth win would be the palate cleanser that really just is like, okay, you got over that hump. You have passed what you have surpassed whatever you've done in the past few seasons. Now we're, this is the benchmark. You can no longer be this good. You have to go above this. And I think that six win is a clear benchmark for that because they've gotten five wins in the past. They've gotten six wins. In, they've gotten close to six wins in the past. When are you going to actually get the six win? When is it going to come to fruition? Um, so for me, I think getting that six win would just be the palate cleanser that they really need and that culture setting um, that the team really needs to be like, okay, we know how to get this amount of wins, but we know we now know we can no longer be this good. Like this is the new standard. We now have to be above that. We can no longer fall below that. Um, I, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I, playoffs would be cool, but I will be in Tuscaloosa by the time playoffs comes around. So I would not be anywhere near game bridge anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it really, I, I just really think the six one is the most important thing for me. Okay, and now maybe arguably equally important, if not, well, same, same thing, same, same. Um, when do you think they get that sixth win? They got the Fever coming up. They got, sorry, the Fever have the Mystics coming up. <laughs> then they got the Liberty back-to-backs uh, with the day in between against the Sparks and then the Storm and the Mercury. Do you think it's in those next six games? Do they get six in the next six? I six in the next six. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, I don't think they're going to feed in the next six. To be clear, don't want anyone taking my quotes out. <laughs> um, in those next six games, I see a couple win opportunities. Um, I think this the storm pops out to me as possible six win. They played really well against them the last time they did. They won that game. Um, I think that was the only game they won at that West Coast trip um, that they just rec- that they took. I think the that's there. I would say the Mercury, but the Mercury has had Indiana's number quite a bit this season, and I don't think Aaliyah Boston has solved the puzzle of Brittany Griner. Quite frankly, very few people in this league have solved the puzzle of Brittany Griner. Um, so. I could see that happen. I could, if they figure out a way to not shut Brittany down, but mitigate her effectiveness, that could be a possible win. Um, and then there's also the Mystics. The Mystics are kind of in a topsy turvy at the moment. They, you know, missing Shakira, missing Elena Deladon, you know, we'll see if that creates a little bit of an opening. But those are a few opportunities. If I had to put my, Put behind one, I would say the storm. Honestly, probably this. You're going. Probably. I go on sparks. Sparks are there too. The sparks have a. My God! Every time I see an injury report from the sparks, <laughs> I'm just like, as a fan, I'm like, dear God, <laughs> when will we? When will we be free? <laughs> 
bad for that fan base. Like, just like even if they're gonna lose every game in a, just let them see their team play. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Let's, Lexi Brown has been out since God knows how long. Non-COVID illnesses next to every, like three out of the six players that are injured. It's like it's like at some point or another, somebody's either sick or they broke a foot. It, it's just. I was I don't know how Kurt Miller is doing it right now. <laughs> like truly, a lot of beach walks, a lot of beach walks to calm down <laughs> and saying. Um, well, I'd like to end every episode with one simple question. So I hope you're ready. Oh dear. Who's your goat? The greatest of all time. Oh dear. It is the real CP3, Candace Parker. Uh, <laughs> it is the real CP3. Um. I will never acknowledge Christopher Paul as CP3. It is Candace Parker only. Um, I, Candace Parker is one of the big reasons why I am a women's basketball fan. Um, just the way she played the game, I think her IQ is some of the among some of the best in the league. The vision, her shot making, and just her ability to lead a team. I mean, who the heck expected? the sky in 2021 to do what they did and win a WNBA championship. Nobody. I mean, they had Kalia, the Kalia. I'm so sorry. They had Kalia Copper. They had Allie Quigley, but like that, no one really expected it. And it just happened because a lot of the leadership that um, Candace Parker displayed down the stretch, um, not even in the playoffs, but also down the stretch in the season, just the leadership, like, Hey, we're right. We can. Do, we're right at the position where we can shake some things up, and they shook a lot of things. <laughs> they shook a lot of things in 2021. And I don't. I honestly, if Candace isn't there in 2021, I don't think this guy has that championship. And that just speaks to just the person. No way. That just speaks to the player and the person that she is, and how vital she is to a locker room, even in this very different role that she's in in Las Vegas. I mean. She's still being as effective as possible. She's finding ways to get the balls into the shot makers' hands, like Chelsea Gray, Jackie, um, and Asia, and even Kelsey when she's on the floor with Kelsey. I mean, when you got that, when you got that main shot maker around you, you don't got to be the main shot maker. You can just pass the ball around. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, can you imagine a team that has the passing ability of Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray, and then? And then, and then the crazy part is, Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum are receiving those passes yes. to shoot them. Yes. Like, and Raquana Williams hasn't even played. Right. Whatever. <laughs> this is not about Indi- This is not about Vegas. It's about Indiana. Um, I appreciate your time as always. No, you're fine. Um, find the folks. Your handle where to find you on social, and where to read your work. Yeah, well, you can read my work in a plethora of places. It depends on the day, for real. But if you want to follow my antics and my uh, somewhat occasionally decent sports takes about every sport that exists and my occasional pop culture takes, you can follow me on all social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Threads. I have a threads, y'all. <laughs> TikTok uh, at Ashley A S H L E E M Woods W O O D S. That's where you can find me. Um, you can also follow Insider. That's where most of my WNBA work goes. Actually, all of it, actually. So <laughs> let's do it. Well, I appreciate you as always. You have a great one, and we'll have you back at the end of the season. We can recap. Say hey. Did this happen? Did it not? When did they get the, did they get their sixth win? 
And when did it happen? Or did they not? Hopefully, I I'll just feel really bad for anybody I know from the state of Indiana uh, if they can't get their six wins. So let's hope they do. Prayer hands. Prayer hands. Prayer. Prayer. <laughs>